Welcome back to The Daily Drum on WHUR, WHUT-TV, Sirius XM Channel 141, 96.3 HD2, and 98.3 FM. This is the Inside Segment. I'm Harold Fisher. We are at the Reporters' Roundtable with some of the top stories of the week. My guests are Misha Green, Managing Editor with The Washington Informer, and Sonia Ross, Editor-in-Chief for Black Women Unmuted. The stories on deck tonight... Overdoses at a Loudoun County, Virginia high school, carjackings in the DMV, dangerous driving in D.C., a new law in Prince George's County mandating surveillance cameras for apartments and senior housing, and of course, a new sexual harassment policy in D.C. signed by the mayor. We may even have an opportunity to talk about the Donald Trump civil trial. Lines are open. Give us a call at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. You can X me at hfisher, W-H-U-R, or you can find me on Instagram at Harold T. Fisher. Ladies, thank you so much for joining the conversation. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Let me first talk about what's happening in Loudoun County. This is shocking. Parkview High School in Loudoun County. A ninth fentanyl overdose today. There have been eight in three weeks. The parents just found out yesterday about the eight. And this is from Loudoun County Sheriff Mike Chapman when he was asked about this situation of notification. You had 18 countywide, and you had eight that are associated with one school in just a few weeks. That's a problem. I mean, we have the problem countywide, but, but it's important that if you have an acute problem in a particular area, that people know about it. Sonia, this is happening right now at one high school. This is an epidemic of, of fentanyl overdose at just one high school. What, what's going on here? That's the symptom of the larger disease because actually this is going on every high school in every state in this nation. And compounding that problem is how little fentanyl it takes to be damaging and deadly. Um, some people might want to view this as an opportunity to try to get it right. Now that we know that many kids could be taken down in a in a quick fell swoop, but this sounds like a, uh, an opportunity for 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 them to have gotten it wrong. This is a failure. If there is something that has happened at this school, one fentanyl overdose should have meant that the officials at the school or the school district needed to fire off an email to parents saying there was an incident at our school. But there were eight incidents over three weeks, Misha? This is a public health crisis at this school. Let's be very, very clear. And as someone who used to work in the education system, you're completely right. That first incident, there should have been a notice that went out, much less eight. I, I mean, it is unconscionable to think that parents and that this community uh, uh, were not only failed, but really and truly 
uh, done a disservice for the seven other or eight other families who've been affected at this point and the others that could come. Um, There should be counselors there. There should be health professionals there. There should be volunteers and, of course, parents wrapping their arms around this community on top of county officials really taking this as uh, a a countywide, uh, communitywide, and statewide issue. Uh, and as DC editor or managing editor at the Washington Informer and looking at DC issues, I really want to point out that it's happening here in the district as well, not uh, mm-hmm. with numbers like we're talking about this in, in one isolated school, or at least not that we know about, and let's hope that's the case. But we've, we're talking about um, four over 400 deaths in 2020 uh, for opioids. Uh, here in the district and those numbers continue to rise that mayor bowser just started an opioid commission to address those issues but that commission is still begging the executive office to realize that this is a public health emergency that's how the federal government is looking at opioid uh and that's how the district and certainly that's how loudon county and this school should be looking at it but there is a risk there is a risk of over focusing on one aspect of the overall problem because parental notification is necessary. Yes, it's a failure. If we fixate so much on parental notification, are we going to do anything really about getting fentanyl, the proliferation of fentanyl under control, the proliferation of fentanyl among these young people under control? So it can't be the type of solution that speaks only to making sure parents are notified or families are notified. That's like analyzing the leaves on a tree to determine if it's a tree when you can already see it's a tree. So there has to be other action layered in alongside parental notification, following policies and procedures. What else can be done? Because as I said, it doesn't take much fentanyl to be this damaging. Well, I, I, I agree with you, but I think this is a two-pronged thing. First of all, as a parent, uh, if if I were a parent from this high school, I would be marching on the high school or the school board oh, yeah, with, 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 pitch po- with pitchforks and torches. Absolutely. For, um, and, and, and so I think that after it happened the first time, okay, if you didn't tell anyone. But when it started happening the second, it, that's a cover-up. That is a problem. And I, and I don't think it's even okay after the first time. I, I mean, People yeah. really I, needed to be aware of it. I mean, it, it, of course, you're absolutely right that it, it goes beyond letting parents know. But this needs to be dinner time conversation every single day. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that students really know the risk they're taking with mm-hmm. this drug. I have heard many unfortunate instances about fentanyl being snuck in other uh, sorts of drugs that no one would have even ever expected to have had an overdose or even been exposed to fentanyl in the first place. Uh, so there needs to be, I mean, back to those real don't do drug conversations don't have don't uh do it if somebody introduces to it to you don't bring it into the school tell somebody i mean those real conversations need to happen again uh, and i don't think they're happening because parents didn't even know they needed to do so well also you got to consider the fact of whether or not did, the, did any of these kids overdose together 
Were these nine individual overdoses? Yes. Yeah, yeah they were nine individual. Like. Yeah. Today, today happened off campus. That was the ninth one. But these were these were individual ones. But the other issue that I I was I, I, the other point that I was going to make, piggybacking on what Misha was saying, was the sheriff said yesterday that some of the overdoses were pills disguised as regular Percocet. Okay, can we... Full stop. Percocet... It's not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> exactly. Not okay. It's not... It's thank not you. Okay. It, it, yeah. You know, it is not okay. And so this isn't... You know, that that's the first thing. And then I think one of the bigger issues is that... And we, we saw this happen... This happening before... The pandemic, federal government money, all of this money to deal with the opioid crisis, and then, boo, COVID. So I don't know whether that had anything to do with that, but certainly that money is still there. What's happening with the opioid crisis money, not just in Virginia, but in Maryland and it, 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 across the country? I think, you know, that that's something that needs to be to be asked about. 202. 319-7810-202-319-7810. We are at the Reporters Roundtable talking about some of the top stories of the week. If you have a comment or a question, give us a call. We will be more than happy to address it. And we can, you can talk about any of the issues, uh, even if we move past them, because I'm sure you have uh, some questions and uh, concerns about it. I want to go to this, this next issue. And and this is and this is one of the probably one of the most troubling things that that DC has had to deal with probably since the crack issue back in the nineties, and that is this juvenile carjacking situation. Misha, it is frightening, it is disturbing what is happening to our children and the twelve year old boy who is the alleged accomplice of Bernard Tony from the shooting Saturday night at Capital One Arena. That is just a heartbreaking story. It is truly tragic and heartbreaking, as you said. I hate to hear everything that's involved in this case. A 13-year-old's life was lost. That same 13-year-old had been involved in crime uh, and specifically carjackings in the past. Uh, and, you know, maybe some people will have uh, mixed opinions about this, but I say kudos to the 12-year-old's mom mm -hmm. who said, that was my baby, who was the accomplice, um, because he needs to learn his lesson. And unfortunately, he learned it in losing a dear friend, obviously. But there needs to be some true... Um, consequences for their act for these young people's actions uh, what we're seeing is repeated offenders uh, and so while I am by no means saying that Bernard Tony uh, should uh, have lost his life this past weekend it is as you said heartbreaking and a true tragedy we need to make sure that other people like Bernard, who may have started on the off on the wrong track, can get on the right track so that they can live their lives fully and wholly and maybe even be a positive example to the next generation. Well, it's all interrelated to me. I, I think not only about 
this lost 13-year-old and his 12-year-old friend who's now in deep trouble. I think about the 14-year-old who drove that car with his friends into a tree by accident. In Prince George's County. In Prince George's County. I think about the three who few days later did similar thing but managed to survive. I think about the two young women in Northeast, I think it's Northeast D.C., and one of whom lost her life in a crashed, stolen vehicle. I think two of them collided with each other, right? Yeah. Uh, two stolen vehicles. Yeah, that, and that was and, it. That was the one in Brentwood. Yes. yes. Yeah, you had a, a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old. They were half-sisters. Um, and the ironic thing is that the the 16-year-old who survived in the Jeep, there were others in, in the car. In the car. Right. They took off. She stayed behind. Yeah. I, and, I don't get it. No. And I, 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 I'm wondering when can it stop or how can it stop? Are, it almost seems as if there's this desire to have live-action Grand Theft Auto on the streets. And... Are they aware of the finality of death, of the frailty of life, or is it a a fuzzy concept to them because video games have a reset button? Are they able to process reality to that extent? Because I don't know about y'all, but when I was growing up, I wasn't thinking about being in a car, much less driving it, at 12 or 13. Um, I... wouldn't have had any way of accessing the keys to the cars at our house. But, you know, these kids are like, I'll just demand the keys from someone and just take their car. And how did it get to that point? Because there there needs to be some backtracking to understand the lived experiences of these young people to see how it got to that point point or maybe it won't point to anything that led to the to that point but i i'm weeping for our young people now you know it's hard out here for them i think covid had a really big effect on their emotional stability and we as a nation haven't truly grasped the impact of the covid pandemic yet much less understand if that's related to this yeah, so I, I i agree i you know i've always i've always struggled with with the conversation about covid being this contributing factor to this because we've had difficult criminal situations with young people pre-COVID. But the other thing, in the in the Bernard Tony situation, he had been arrested back in May right. for nine crimes in one day. Right. The 12-year-old, according to the reporting, has had no interaction with the criminal justice system at all. Yeah. Although it was also reported today that he had had anger issues since he was five years old and that his mother was trying to get him into programs. I think a deeper dive needs to be uh, taken to, to talk about what has happened with this child between five years old and 12 years old. And obviously, as you said, Misha, the mother was trying to stand up and do something and 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 kudos to her in mm-hmm. in the the big discussion about right and wrong 
But I would argue that at least in Bernard Tony's case, that child was lost long before he turned 12. Yeah, I, I'm, Bernard Tony is not the only young man who has been lost to similar situations. Karan Blake, we saw a very similar situ situation, in, which was in the Brookland area mm -hmm. um, earlier this year, where uh, he was robbing a car and someone took it upon himself to shoot him to stop him. And uh, again, he was a middle schooler who, uh, whose life was taken. Um, but as you said, this happened far before the age of 12 or 13. Uh, but what I'm seeing is, is that it's recruiting happening. I mean, we don't know the young man, the 12 year old's name, but we know that he was not involved in things other than these anger management challenges, but he was rolling with Bernard who had multiple charges. I want to know who Bernard was rolling with before that uh, introduced him to this. I just had a friend tell me last week that she was in a very such scary situation where she was uh, parked in a lot, just kind of getting herself together and a car drives up all these people hop out another car drives up and uh then a few of the people hop out and get into the other car and speed off and most of those people were young people she said now of course she didn't want to get into the middle of it of course not. um or, or really look too hard um but it seemed like there was some sort of ring and definitely uh, she said that they looked too young to be driving the vehicle, mm -hmm. but that they were, it seemed like they were in a hurry to meet someone who might not be. Now, of course, this is all speculation, but if this is a situation that she saw and watched, I'm wondering how many other uh, elders in the community, some who may even have a little bit of a stronger authoritative voice, who sees stuff like that going on and says, hey, Johnny, what are you doing? Yeah. Now, didn't I see your grandmother the other day get involved in a safe manner, really engage them and try to stop them from what's going on? I, I, I have some thoughts about that as well. We've talked about this on, on the program before. But first, 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. We are at the Reporters' Roundtable talking about some of the top Stories of the week. If you have a comment or a question, give us a call. Lines are open indeed all the way up until 8 o'clock. So here's here's my struggle with that now. Yes, there was a time when an older person could have said that to me when I was a teenager. Okay? The, the problem that I, I have now, and I've used this example all the time, if if grandma comes out of her house and she sees three, you know, young boys, and I and I hesitate to call these people young men mm -hmm. or men or young women. These are children. Yeah. These are children. And they're leaning on the car, and she says, you know, young fella, can you please not lean on my car? And then they turn around and call her everything but a child of God. Mm -hmm. How is she supposed to react? Yeah. Not to mention, you don't know how many of them have a gun. They made themselves... Uh, ghost guns, you know, all of these things that are out in the street now. Anybody who has a ring doorbell or any video doorbell and is connected to these apps and networks, I've seen them on my <laughs> ring app, repeated references to cars full of young people being dropped off, 
in neighborhoods and they fan out and pull the car doors to see if they can steal anything out of the car and eventually maybe steal the car. But they're being brought in in groups to accomplish this stuff. Who's doing that? How are we dealing with that? Hold your point because I've got to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to go to the phone lines. Crystal calling from D.C. Uh, Aishi also, we're going to be talking to you as well. Stay with us. The Daily Drum will continue on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. John Mons is next with the original Quiet Storm. That's on WHUR. This conversation on WHUT and WHUR-FM will be back in about a minute.